Hello, my name is Celia Hirsch, and I'm a volunteer with Igniting Change, an intentionally tiny but outcome-mighty organisation based in Melbourne, Australia. Igniting Change has walked alongside many individuals and organisations making a difference, usually working with very thorny issues in decidedly unsexy areas. It's unlike any charity you may have previously encountered, and its catchphrase is, see the person, not the label. What we are seeking to do with this podcast is introduce you to the people of Igniting Change and the people we work alongside. Today, our guest is Port Phillip Youth Unit Youth Development Officer, Anne Hooker. Hi, Anne. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And you've run the youth unit at Port Phillip Prison since... Uh, I know it's about 20 years. Since it started. Since it started 20 years ago. I was a correctional officer at the prison for 12 weeks before I became the youth development officer. But for the majority of the time, I've been the youth development officer. And how did you get that gig? So when I became a correctional officer, during my training, the youth development officer was advertised. And it was this little tiny advertisement in the age. And a friend of mine rang me up and said, are you going to apply for that job that's just made for you? that's at the prison. And I went, oh, really? What job? And she ran away, got the paper, came back, read it to me. And I went, oh, maybe I should apply for that job. And she said, definitely you should apply for that job. So I applied and it was an extremely long process to get the job. Went for three months and had three different stages to it. But eventually... They gave me the job. So there was no youth unit. This was going to be a first. This was going to be a groundbreaking idea. Yes. And who came up with the idea and why? So initially, when Port Phillip Prison first came about, as any prison, there were some issues and some problems that arose. And one of the things when they did the review, a woman called Felicity Dunn, who was a psychologist, did a review alongside other people in, in terms of what had happened. And... She was realising that there was a number of young, under 25-year-old prisoners who seemed to be really struggling in the prison. And so one of her recommendations was my job, the Youth Development Officer. So the prison looked at those recommendations and took them on board and decided that, yes, you know, we, we should probably think about doing a youth unit and putting this role in and see if we can make a difference. Are youth units common around the world in prisons or is this a unique situation? When I was given the opportunity, one of the first things I did was do some research around what was out there in terms of youth units inside maximum security prisons and I realised that there was none anywhere in the world. There were standalone youth prisons and there were protection units that housed young prisoners but there was no designated youth area inside a maximum security prison that was a mainstream unit. And I realised very quickly that if we did this right, we could have the opportunity of making a huge difference in terms of how young people were managed in the judicial system. I, I was just so ecstatic that I was given that opportunity and thought to myself, wow, we can actually make a really big difference here. And I was told to go away and make a youth unit and make it happen. And I was given very little guidance. Very Which little was, I suppose, in a way, 
quite good. Well, yes, because, I mean, I felt it was. I, I saw it as a huge opportunity and I thought to myself, well, because they don't exist and this is, you know, we're groundbreaking here, we're actually doing something that is going to make history, this is really good that I've got a lot of free reign and I can actually come up with ideas that have never been tried before and be really creative and be really innovative and do things really differently. And that was what was so exciting to me when we first started. What were your measures of success at that time? Were there any kind of indicators that you had to meet? So one of the reasons why um, the youth unit was thought of was that Australia had the highest rate of youth suicide in the world. And going in to prison or just in general? In general. Right. But going to prison is a recognised risk factor for someone's suicidality. So as a result of that, the initial funding for my position was from suicide and self-harm prevention funding. And so that had to be a big focus of our uh, philosophy. And it, it remains to this day a big focus because especially young men, when they end up in jail, they have a tendency to give up. To feel hopeless. And to think that their life is over, they've mm. hit rock bottom, they can go no further, they might as well die. Mm. To me, I don't believe anyone should die in prison mm. and I certainly don't believe that young people should die in prison. And I think we have a responsibility as a community to help these young men find their way back from where they've come from and work out how to be productive members of the community. Mm. So when I was given that opportunity, I thought, wow, that had to be a big focus. But I also wanted to take it further and I wanted to look at how do we make sure that young people are realising they've made a mistake and, and address those issues properly and actually make it real and not just look good on paper and actually get it to the point where they never go back to jail. Because what are the odds prior to your unit opening? What were the odds of young people re-offending? One of the things that I recognised and looked at when I was doing my initial research was that for young people in particular, there it was like a revolving door. They would get out of jail and within two or three weeks they would be back, the same young people. And that really disturbed me and concerned me and I thought, well, why is this happening? Why, why haven't we got an answer to help these young people work out how to stop that from happening? So there were, there were two issues for me. One was the suicide and self-harm prevention and the other was rehabilitation and real rehabilitation and not just, you know, pretend, let's make it look good on paper. So 20 years down the track, how, how are you going on both of those scores? In 20 years, we have not had any young people die in the youth mm. unit at Port Phillip. And we've had probably five self-harmers, but none in the last 10 years mm. at all. So in that respect, we've done really, really well. And in terms of rehabilitation, our current recidivism rate, the last time that we did some research on this was... 39%, which is pretty Not bad. powerful in terms of mm. rates go you know, in, in this state. So, Anne, how and when did Igniting Change become involved in the youth unit? So, when I first started, Igniting Change approached me and contacted me and wanted to set up a meeting to talk about how they could support me. I didn't know a lot about them at the time, but um, they came in, had a meeting and very quickly, we formed a partnership where they would connect me with a whole range of different people 
and worked out a model that worked for both of us. Were you a bit suspicious at first? Were you wondering who they were and how they knew? And I, I was wondering and I had really no idea. Um, they told me that they received my information from a member of the police force who was working with young people who was aware of what we were trying to do in the youth unit. So that to me was really nice that he'd passed on my information. But I wasn't really sure how they could help me initially. And I suppose because I wasn't really sure and I didn't really ask for anything, I think that that's in another reason why Jane felt that she could actually help us. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I really didn't ask them for anything. I just thought, well, we'll have a conversation, we'll see where we go from here. Um, and then we came up with this idea about bringing people into the unit who were from business, the business world, the corporate world, and see where it would take us. So supporters of Igniting Change. Yes. Coming in to meet the guys the young in the people, youth yes. unit, meet you, yes. see what it's all like. And I realised very early on that those meetings were going to be really, really important for a couple of different reasons. The young people who are in my unit, on the whole, have never spoken in front of strangers. So their ability to actually stand up and give a speech or stand up and give an opinion or talk about anything in particular was really limited. And they were very scared and very naive and, and uncertain and unsure of themselves. And, and they I, wouldn't trust people either, would no, they? No, they didn't trust people. And I encouraged them that this was a really important thing to do and that it would really, you know, the more that we did it, the, the easier it would get. And, you know, in doing it, you would raise your confidence levels and you'd raise your self-esteem because all of a sudden you'd have this idea, once you do it the first time, wow, I did it and it was okay, it was good, it worked really well and I feel good about myself, then it'll get easier. And they trusted me, albeit with a lot of reservation and we started realizing that this was really about leadership so a lot of what we do in there in terms of these meetings is about leadership about standing up and being a leader in a positive way in the unit so you're in a pretty bad situation you're you're in prison but you can use this time to really work on yourself and become something that you weren't when you came in. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, it's interesting to me because when we have these meetings with these people that Jane brings in, after the meeting, for probably four or five days, the young men are all talking about what happened in the meeting, the people that they met and the impact that those people have had on them, um, the individuals and as a group, and what they actually said and some of them will come into my office and go, thanks for that, Anne. That was, that was amazing. I've never done anything like that in my life. Mm. And, and that just blew me away. And I'll push them a bit and say, well, what do you mean it blew you away? And they'll say, well, I've never actually spoken like that in front of anyone. And I surprised myself that I could do it and that the words were coming out of my mouth Hmm. And they made sense and it was okay. And I would talk to them more about it and say, this is what I mean about raising your confidence because the more you try to do things and challenge yourself and do things that are out of your comfort zone, the stronger you're going to feel and the 
the better you're going to feel, the more positive you're going to feel. And I'll say to them, you didn't make a fool of yourself, did you? No, no. You, you didn't say anything that was really sounded really wrong or bad? No, no, that's what I mean. It sounded amazing and <laughs> I heard myself saying it and I couldn't believe that I said it. And then I thought about it all night. Mm. I didn't watch TV at all, I thought about it. So the impact that these sessions have on these young men are massive, absolutely massive. Because I was thinking that it was all the other way because the impact as a visitor is extraordinary too and it completely changes all of your preconceptions about what a prison is, what a prisoner is, what is possible within a prison. It feels less like a prison and more like, I don't know, a YMCA or something because of that environment where they're a bit more positive. Well, yes, and they're safe and they're not watching their backs the whole time and they're not living in fear and they're not having to be careful about everything they say and everything they do mm. and they're, they're actually relaxed. Yeah, and it's, it's so, not scary. Yeah, it's mm. not scary. And so they're at ease to the point where they are able to challenge the way they've thought up until now, challenge the decisions they've made think about the impact of those decisions on their victims, on their family and their friends and on the community. Well, that brings me to the, the movie. Stories from the Inside. Stories from the Inside. I thought was remarkable and is one of those resources that I believe all kids in high school should be seeing because it taught, well, you, you can talk about how it came about and what the message is. So the movie came about because... A group of four young men came into my office and said to me that they wanted to make a DVD that would be shown in schools and really challenge the way young people thought um, in terms of making decisions. And it was very important to them and they were adamant that they wanted it to come from the perpetrator's point of view, not from a victim's point of view, and they'd really thought about it. And they said to me, if anyone can make this happen, you can. And we, we really no want No pressure. It. No pressure. <laughs> no, no pressure. <laughs> and we really want this to, to happen because we really want to reach the widest possible amount of young people that we can. Mm. And we think that the way to do that is through a DVD. And I was really taken aback about the fact that they thought about this to the extent that they had and that they were so willing to put in the time and the effort to do it mm. because they knew it wouldn't be easy. They knew it would take a lot of time and effort and resources and energy and support and money and, and to get the people in authority to approve it yeah. would take a lot of convincing mm. but they were determined they wouldn't give up they wouldn't stop and they kept there, were, there was no such thing as a problem whenever there was a problem they would come up with a solution mm. or potential list of solutions they learned that from you didn't they well yes <laughs> just a bit but, you know. so but they never let it beat them and they never let it you know they never gave up they never threw in the towel and said we can't do this it's too hard which the, Four years that DVD took us to make and get through the system and they were so determined to mm. make it happen. And they spoke from their hearts and they spoke from, you know, their souls. And 
They didn't script it and it wasn't something that, you know, they storyboarded um, because we looked at that and they just felt they couldn't do that. So a lot of it came from just them really, you know, gut-wrenching, thinking about Mm. what they wanted to say and filming each other. I mean, as you said, it's, it is very raw and it's very real and it really does touch nerves and, and it has such an impact mm. on young people. Every time we show it, it has a huge impact on people. And how is Igniting Change involved in that? When I was presented with the idea, huh. I approached Jane and told her about the idea and she was really interested and thought, wow, that's an amazing idea. And so we... When we had a group of people that came in, um, the boys pitched the idea to the group and we were connected to Shark Island Productions who just gave us so much support mm. and, you know, along with the other su- supporters who financially supported the project. Yep. And without Jane, it would never have happened. Mm. Never have happened. The other really interesting part of the, well, another part of the partnership was the introduction of the T-shirt business. How did Igniting Change get involved in that and where did the idea come from? When we, we started doing the, the visits with um, Jane and Igniting Change, the young men would talk about the fact that some of them had skills but they were really afraid that when they got out they wouldn't be able to get a job because of the stigma involved and the fact that they'd been criminals. And so they, we continued this conversation about how do we deal with their release from prison and how do we overcome the concept of employment or, or really assisting them to return to the community as a productive member of the community. Mm. I had thought about a small business program and done some research in terms of how do we put this on because um, that's an unusual thing, isn't it? A small business operating out of a prison. Absolutely. Sounds Doesn't very... Doesn't happen anywhere else. <laughs> and the more we talked about it, the more it gained traction. And Jane was able to connect us to a whole range of different people who actually supported us in terms of the start and commencement of the program. How did so, you come up with screen printing as the idea? Uh, because we thought that it was probably the easiest... Mm thing to do inside a prison you had to think of things that didn't have a huge high security risk yeah. because you couldn't you can't have knives or no anything sharp no master chef no, yeah no no <laughs> and so screen printing seemed really easy because there was nothing that would endanger or anyone or be a risk mm-hmm. and so we were fortunate because bonds and toll and a whole pile of businesses came on board and donated goods and services and a machine, a screen printing machine, that enabled us to actually start. Mm. And that once we had a start, we knew that we could actually keep going. And I knew that we couldn't just run a business and keep the profits because they're prisoners and mm. they're not allowed to you know, earn money whilst inside. So I suggested to the boys, why don't we run a business and donate the profits to charities. They thought that was a great idea. That's such a great idea. And again, this was unheard of. This was not being done anywhere else in the world. Mm. And so, and, and again, it's that importance of caring about your community and giving back to the community. So once I explained that to the boys, they were even more on board. Mm. And then they decided, 
because they said, well, how are we going to decide what charities we're going to give to? And they came up with, they had about 100 things on the board and they got it down to the top 10. And then they did some market research on who we thought we should give to. And they went around and interviewed a whole pile of other prisoners about who they thought we should give to. And this is how we came out with World Children's Hospital, Good Friday Appeal, Kids Undercover and White Lion. It's all great skills though, isn't it? Doing all the research, making it all come together, being involved. I guess they're all the things about that you've been talking about, about empowerment and raising their confidence and giving them something to be focused on, mm. some purpose. And keep busy. Well, know? I was going to ask you about that. How big a problem is boredom? It's extremely, mm. extremely difficult in a prison environment to stop boredom and and it, it's part of the reason why things happen in prison because the more time you're sitting around thinking about you know things that you shouldn't be thinking about the more chance something's going to happen mm. so it's a very difficult area it's something that we are really aware of and look to be in the youth unit they have to work and they have to do programs and if they're not willing to do that, they won't stay in the youth unit because mm. that's about keeping them really busy, as busy as we can. So if they're not working, they're doing a program and they have a very limited amount of spare time. They have some spare time at lunchtime, some spare time at dinner time. The rest yes. of the time they are very active and very busy and very involved. So, And 20 years down the track, how satisfied are you with where you've come and where the youth units come? Uh, look, I am extremely proud of what we have achieved in the youth unit. I really think that I've built a legacy and that if I walked away tomorrow, it's strong enough to continue. It would need a leader, but you know, everything that is in the youth unit that's built into the youth unit enables it to continue every day. And the philosophy is very strong. There are things that we are missing, so it's not perfect, but that keeps me going and it keeps me there. But I am very happy with where we're at. Mm. And, And I know that because Every now and then you get a young person who reminds me of the work that I do and the work that we do in the youth unit. And they'll remind me in all sorts of weird ways, a phone call when they're out or a letter or a conversation. And those um, reminders are what keeps me going. Because it's not a, you know, it's not necessarily a cheery kind of job, but you wouldn't know that from talking to you. You're very upbeat. You're very buoyant I'm about very it all. I'm a positive person. I don't look at negatives. I never have. I see the positive in everything and uh, and probably in that respect I'm the right sort of person to work there because I could have been beaten a long time ago. Well, the job certainly hasn't ground you down, has it? No, no. In fact, I look at a problem as a challenge and I always look – for a way to overcome that challenge Mm. and that's just the sort of person I am I've I've always been like that I'll tell you a story okay so just the other day I received a letter from a young man who um, was going to court and he decided that he should sit down and write me a letter overnight and it was a three-page letter well that's a big deal in itself isn't it it's a huge huge deal Mm. and he wrote this letter and he took it upon himself not just to write the letter on his own behalf but to, to write it on the behalf of every young person that's ever come through the doors of our unit to thank me for um, the tough love, that, as he put it, <laughs> and the care that I show the young people. And he, he acknowledged that when he committed the crime and when he 
first came to jail, he was an extremely arrogant person and he was very selfish and very self-centred. But during the time that he's been there, which has been about nine months, he has learnt that you cannot continue like that and he's changed the way he thinks and the way he feels and the way he sees the world and all of that is down to him being in the youth unit. And he was so grateful that he was given that opportunity and he just wanted me to know that. Well, that's an amazing measure of your success, isn't it? I think so, because he was right. He was not a very nice person when he first came in. And now he's a completely different young man. Which is exactly what you want. Which is exactly what I want. And to me, that to be, to be humble is probably one of the most important things that we have to learn as an adult, mm. because you know, without being humble, you, you're never going to appreciate or value anything in your life. You can do all the programs in the world and learn to stop being violent or stop taking drugs or stop doing things that you know you shouldn't do. But unless you have the ability to really think about your life mm. and change your life and change the way you make decisions and change the way you care about the world you're never going to change speaking of change one last question Anne. what is the one thing that igniting change has taught you that there are people who care and that you should never give up because there's always a way to connect every connection is important and you may not understand the the importance of that connection until further on down the line but it will be important and so every every decision that we make in our lives affects every single person that connects that we're connected to that's it for this igniting change podcast if you've enjoyed this episode please be sure to press subscribe to ensure you don't miss future episodes thanks for listening and remember see the person not the label